Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome on this beautiful spring day. Welcome to Essex Church, home of this gathered community known as Kensington Unitarians. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackhall, and I work at this church as the outreach officer, doing a bit of this and that about the place. I'm just coordinating this service, which involves quite a few members of the congregation. Our minister, Sarah Tinker, I would like to say she's having a day off, but I think she's taking a wedding somewhere, so... Um, We'll cover for her this morning. Our opening words are by Elizabeth Parrish. Come into this house of worship. Come as you are. Come in and find peace and rest, inspiration and aspiration, fellowship and love. Come in and find light for your darkness, a friend's touch for your loneliness, and music for your soul. Come in and let your heart sing for all the blessings that are yours this day. And we'll light the chalice, the symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. Tristan will light the flame. We light the chalice with this little flame. This little flame will lighten the darkness of ignorance and prejudice. This little flame will lighten the path of those seeking truth and meaning to life. This little flame will shine on everyone without distinction of race, creed, colour or sexuality. This little flame will warm and welcome everyone who comes through our doors. This little flame will reflect the spark of the divine which resides within us all. The theme of our service today is singing our faith. So I've invited half a dozen members of the congregation to choose a favourite hymn, one that says something about their take on Unitarianism, their values, their spirituality, and hopefully between us we'll show something of the variety of what our faith means to us. We're going to get to have a good sing. It's almost like a spring carol service, so I hope you've got your lungs in gear. Um, and you're going to need advanced hymn book management skills this morning. We're going to be switching between green and purple and the hymn sheet, so brace yourself. Um, our first hymn is in the purple book, number 198, We'll Build a Land.
invite you to join me in prayer now with some words from Krista Taves. Universal Spirit of Life, God of all love, source of all in which we live and move and have our being. We come together in prayer, even though some of us struggle with what that means. We come together to stand before that which is greater than us, although we may struggle to say what that is. And so on this day we pray for those things we struggle with, for the conflicts we feel within ourselves and between us and those we love. We pray for guidance, compassion, the opening of a path. We pray for those things that give us joy and hope, for those things that we trust in, believe in, would sacrifice for. These are gifts of grace, and perhaps we need not define them in order to savour them, rejoice in them, be thankful for them. What we do know is we gather this morning with all kinds of needs. Some face physical problems and are in need of healing. Others need healing of a different kind, emotional and spiritual. Some face family problems. Some are weary with the struggles of life and seek assurance that it will someday pass. Others face difficult decisions for themselves and their families. For each of us, we speak the deepest prayers of our hearts in different ways, knowing that what it means for them to be answered will look and feel different for each of us. May we somehow this morning be met at the point of our differences and also in the places that we are one, of the same breath that courses through all living things. May we always hold in our hearts gratitude for those things that bless us with their presence. Forgiveness for the ways we have turned from those blessings and the willingness to open ourselves anew into this beautiful and hurting world. In the name of truth, compassion and justice, this we pray. Amen. I have become aware that, like myself, many Unitarians were initially members of other religious denominations, but for whatever reason, they did not find the answers they were looking for. Traditionally, we are taught to talk to God, and then we'll receive our answers. But I've yet to find a scripture in the Bible that actually says that. Nevertheless, if that is what I was taught, who am I to question it? Now, I am not a big Facebook user, but I recently received a meme on my wall we said, prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. Now, I didn't know much about meditation at the time, but it seemed so obvious. How was I not aware of this before? Evidently, to receive any information, we must pay attention to the source. Yet, all I've ever paid attention to is me. 
my own internal dialogue, my own concept of the world, my ego. You see, the ego does not like to pay attention to anything but itself. It is so sure that it already has the right answers and certainly does not like to be proven wrong. By paying attention to our egos, our beliefs go unchallenged. They become our fixed identities. We do not look for answers, but for confirmations that we are already right. But if I am already right, why are there still so many unanswered questions? Why do I still make the same silly mistakes? Why so many problems? And why always the same problems? There is a well-known Buddhist saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So to combat my ego, I must first learn humility. It takes humility to accept that I was not born with all the right answers. To be honest, the sole reason why I attend the Unitarian Church is to bring my big-headed ego down to size, to listen, to allow myself to be wrong, to be challenged, to pay attention to the message, to pay attention to the silence. Now, I may not hear the answers that I'm looking for audibly, but every week I attend, I know that I progressed closer to the greater truth intuitively. So please stand with me as we sing number 28 from the Green Hymnal, The Tides of Spirit. Growing up back in the 1960s and the 70s, the school day invariably began with assembly, a strange affair that blended the secular and the spiritual in some very odd ways. Prayers might be followed by the latest results of our school sports teams. A Bible story would preface a very different sort of tale 
involving a miscreant schoolboy about to be brought to account by the headmaster. Hopefully not yours truly. There were always two or three hymns in the mix, uh, and of these, perhaps a handful that I really enjoyed to sing. The tune uh, that this hymn that I've chosen is usually set to is an adapted traditional folk tune, Monk's Gate, by Ralph Vaughan Williams. A very pleasant melody to my ear. It seems to meander around uphill and down dale, much as I imagine the eponymous pilgrim might. The hymn is drawn from John Bunyan's famous tale, The Pilgrim's Progress, written in 1684. Actually, the lyrics were regarded as strong stuff by the somewhat sensitive Edwardians, and for a time, Bunyan's original version was not commonly commonly sung in churches, perhaps due to its references to hobgoblins and foul fiends. However, I've opted for the original, monsters and all. Looking back, I can see that even in those distant school days, the message of the piece resonated with me at some deep level and connected with a yearning for both self-knowledge and universal meaning. From where I am now, I can readily identify with the protagonist, a simple seeker after truth on a journey of faith, not knowing the answers, but open to experience, and hopefully brave in the face of foul fiends. So let's sing it together now, to be a pilgrim. It's hymn number 150, 150 in the Green Hymn Book.
My choice is I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free, which is a gospel jazz piece by Billy Taylor. The music of this piece some of you may know from TV commercials, the 2004 Olympics, or the BBC Film Review Programme. It was composed by the legendary jazz pianist Billy Taylor, and he's one of the most prolific jazz musicians of his day. He was an ambassador to the jazz community, and his career spanned over six decades, from 1944 to 2010. Along with a vast amount of accolades, including 23 honorary doctoral degrees, Billy Taylor was elected to the Hall of Fame for the International Association to Jazz Education. As he was an advocate for all things jazz, I imagine he was very pleased that this song became the unofficial anthem for the civil rights of the 1950s and 60s. The song achieved popularity with a version by Nina Simone. It's very passionate and moving. Check it out on YouTube. Billy Taylor originally wrote this song for his daughter, Kim. He said he was very proud of this piece because it was very spiritual. For me, this hymn has a unique mixture of a happy tune with a poignant lyric. It reminds me of how far we have come and how far we have yet to go as a human race. It represents the longing of the individual for their yearnings to manifest, for the individual and the collective. The words express so many wishes to be seen, to be accepted, the freedom to fly like a bird. It's a combination of the desire for optimism and freedom. I do hope that the words and music resonate for you. May you feel either or both the connection to the innocent child and sing the words with optimism and curiosity, or may you feel the connection to oppression and sing the words as your own personal anthem to freedom. Please stand as you are able to sing, I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. This is on page 70, 70 in the Purple Hymn Book.
little change of pace after that, that great hymn. Um, I chose the hymn What Wondrous Love today. Um, it's, it's a Christian folk hymn from North America, um, one in which I was familiar with over the years in my previous time in the, in the Lutheran church. Obviously, the words are a bit different in our version, but um, yeah, I find the melody quite haunting. Um, it's written in a minor key, which gives it that haunting quality, and it's the words remind me of many um, songs of the spiritual and folk tradition of the early 19th century from the southern United States. It was a particularly um, difficult time in American history, obviously. So I decided to do a bit of research into the origins of the hymn and found out a few interesting things. Um, the hymn has a long-standing history that it's not very well known, but it's thought to be based on a dance melody called The Ballad of Captain Kidd um, from England in 1701, and obviously a song about the notorious pirate, Captain Kidd. Um, it is believed that the tune was discovered by composer William Walker. Um, he was an, an American Baptist song leader um, on his journey through the Appalachian region. Um, though the tune had been around for many years, it was passed on by rote and not never written down. Um, it was an easy-to-learn musical style with repetition and simple text. Hymnals were obviously scarce, and music was rarely written down in the early 1800s. Um, and the, the hymn is written in a mode that um, makes the singer feel that it should end one step lower than it does, um, and the repetition serves as a mantra, building and reinforcing the power of the message as the hymn progresses. The original Christian hymn had up to six verses, it's more introspective in the start and culminates in relation at the freedom from life's struggle and death at the end. Um, a little more about the history of this type of song. Walker was a shape note singing master, which was a form of singing that uses shapes to denote which pitch would be sung um, instead of the European notation used in music today. In order for shape note singing to work, the congregation would be divided into four sections, um, and each section give, given a separate separate part of the song to sing. There's some debate whether or not this type of notation helps in sight reading, um, but nevertheless, we will not attempt to sing in shape notes today, I promise. Um, this is sort of, I brought a representation of what a hymn would have looked like back then, um, sort of totally different than European notation, so it's quite interesting in times of illiteracy and uh, not having hymnals, so anyway. Um, yeah, so let's stand as we're able now to sing um, What Wondrous Love Is This on the green sheet. <laughs>
chosen One More Step as my favourite hymn. I struggle to sing the word God as I'm agnostic. However, I do like singing hymns. That was one aspect of going to church and school assemblies I liked when I was young. As I grew older, I found it difficult to sing the words of the hymns as they often spoke of things I did not accept, such as God or the Holy Spirit. I started to attend this Unitarian church because I liked the community and the principles <laughs> important to <laughs> Unitarians. I now enjoy singing hymns here, both as an activity in itself and because the words of most hymns have real meaning for me. I have read online criticisms of Unitarian hymns. They are bland and uninspiring, but I disagree. The hymn I've chosen, as I said before, is One More Step. I really like those hymns which talk about communities coming together or the struggle for justice for everyone. One More Step is one of those hymns. I like it particularly because of the words. We will take one more step to have peace for us and everyone. We will say one more word until every word is heard by everyone. We will say one more prayer until every prayer is heard by everyone. We will sing one more song until every song is sung by everyone. This hymn to me embodies Unitarian principles of inclusion and of fairness and justice for everyone. It is not enough that our community has peace and equality and justice. All communities need these and we need to fight for that. Often, my non-church-going friends expect, express surprise that I, an agnostic, go to church. But I think this hymn shows why I attend a Unitarian church. So please stand as you're able to sing hymn 124, One More Step, in the Purple Hymn Book. first came to this church back in 1999 I approached with great caution. I was still vaguely suspicious about organised religion in general and I was pretty wary about what I was getting myself into. I was also extremely shy so rather than talk to people in those early days I would arrive early and I would spend the time before the service flicking through the hymn book. It was only the green book we had in those days. Checking out the words to see if I could get a sense of what all these Unitarians were about and whether it was all just too good to be true. 
the texts of the hymns in Hymns for Living made a big impression on me. I was really impressed with the way that many of the traditional lyrics had been altered to use more inclusive language, particularly gender-inclusive language, and to take out some of the theological concepts that I really struggled with at that time. I appreciated at that time those hymns that had more humanistic themes, celebrating those values of community, equality, diversity, human striving, and that commitment to make the world a better place for everyone. So at the start of my Unitarian journey, I was very grateful for these humanistic hymns. That style of Unitarianism gave me a way into religion, which I might otherwise have been forever hostile towards. The tentative, slightly sceptical agnostic that I was back then simply would never have crossed the threshold if I'd have felt I'd had to leave my rational faculties at the door. But over time, I have come to feel that I'm missing out a bit. There is such a richness in traditional religious language and theological concepts that nowadays I feel actively drawn to go back to them, give them another go, look at them with fresh eyes. Very often I can find my own interpretation of the traditional language or engage with other progressive and radical interpretations. I'm happy to sing of God as he one week because I know we're going to sing of God as she or we or they or in some other non-personified way next week or the week after. We sing about such a diversity of things that I no longer feel the need to conscientiously object to the traditional language, myths and stories because it's just part of the picture. It's just part of what we're about as Unitarians. Getting past my own personal resistance to traditional language has opened up all sorts of new ideas and understandings and connections for me. So, that's why I've chosen this hymn. If you look at the middle of your green hymn sheet, there's a hymn called Seek Ye First. I first learned this from a a wonderful woman called Sheila Jones, uh, a real socialist feminist firebrand of the Unitarian movement, who taught it to us at Hucklow Summer School probably more than ten years ago. I can't remember when we last sang it in this congregation, although we have sung it before, so we're going to need a dry run before we go for it. Um, But just to speak about the language, although the language is very different, I would say the message of this hymn is not a million miles away from the one that Liz just chose. It's about imagining a better world, the kingdom of God. Not a better world somewhere else, but the sense that a better world could be possible here and now if we seek that first above all else. The kingdom of God is a world where love and peace and justice reign. You can think of it as an image of the world as it might be, the world we might work towards, or you can think of it as a dimension of the world as it is now, something we catch a glimpse of whenever we witness or participate in acts of love, peace and justice. The traditional poetic religious language touches me and captures my imagination. So I've partly chosen this because it's great to enjoy to sing, partly because we've sung a lot of old favourites today and I thought it was nice to learn something new or at least new to us, and partly because I wanted to try and encourage people to work on any barriers you may have with religious language because I think there are so many riches and treasures out there if we can persist. So, if you follow the music, you will see that the the, the words of each verse are sung through twice in full. If you are not very confident about singing, I suggest you just do that. You sing the verses through twice in full. So we're going to practice that first. Sandra's going to play the tune once, then we'll try singing it once. Is that all right? And then I'll tell you the complication. When we do it for real, it'll be twice, but I just want you to hear the tune. Just want to. Just want to. We do hear it once, and then we'll sing it once. We're only practicing.
So when we do it for real, if you're not confident about singing, you just do that twice and then on to the next verse. If you are confident about singing, and Margaret's going to help us, after you've sung it once, you break out into alleluias. So the alleluias are, the alleluias are also on the music, but this, so we're going to do the same, you'll play it through once and then we'll have a go at singing it, anyone who wants to have a go. going to go for it so if you're not confident just sing the whole verse through twice with the normal tune if you are confident you sing the verse and then you sing the hallelujahs right we're going to give it a go <laughs> oh. uh, Patty sings and she says where's the notes where's the notes has everybody found where the hallelujahs are yeah 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 right fine, fine. <laughs> go for it please stand as you are able One more hymn. And practically the unofficial theme tune of the congregation. On the back of your hymn sheet, Blue Boat Hum.
we take our leave. Before we gather here again, may each of us bring happiness into another's life. May we each be surprised by the gifts that surround us. May each of us be enlivened by constant curiosity. And may we remain together in spirit until the hour we meet again. Amen.